everybody. Welcome to Sean and Dave Make Music. Today we've got uh, two very special guests, the duo Llama Llama, and they're going to talk a little bit about their new album. You're going to hear some tracks off of it, and you're going to hear some stuff that we recorded fresh today. Um, so this is uh, Quinn Collins and Paul Schutte. Hi, guys. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Sean. Hi, Dave. Hey. Hello. Uh, so tell us a little bit about the clip that we're about to hear and uh, a little bit about the album. Uh, the clip that you're about to hear is the first track on the B-side. This is coming out on cassette. It's called Euler is approximately equal to Euler. It's Euler. <laughs> Euler. Euler is approximately equal to Euler. And is that the tr- that's not the track title. That's the album title. Correct. That you're still not sure on. Okay. <laughs> well, it's what is it? Euler. Euler. We know the approximately equal to part. <laughs> we know who these gentlemen were. Um, it's Euler. Is it Euler? Euler. Euler and Euler. And Euler. How about, can you guys give a little backstory to where that name comes yeah. from? What's the origin of that title? Euler's a mathematician. Um, and Euler's um, a saxophonist. Oh, okay. Um, an improvising saxophonist. All right. So on this album, you guys are both playing modular synths. Um, when did you guys both or each get involved in synthesizer work? Mm, I guess I got I got my rig in. Uh, we're talking about rigs. Yeah, specifically the instrument I'm using. I got in 2011. Okay, because one of my questions was going to be, how long did it take you to feel comfortable enough to you know? know what's going on in there because it I, i'm I, looking I, at it right now and it would take me a while i yeah, still I'm, don't know i'm right i'm okay. still working on that too um, and i i only i started messing around with this particular instrument um when did i get i start working with it um i guess in the summer 2015 but i'd been doing okay. um kind of live electronics improvisation with um turntable through guitar effects units since about 2012 or so and okay. various just kind of electronic live electronic junk involving thing plugging things into each other and turning knobs and signal paths and things so this is kind of an extension of that that i think is a little bit more powerful than what i was doing and i, I mean i usually have uh, i didn't bring it today out of uh laziness reasons but i've usually got a the turntable usually goes into the setup and it's kind of gotcha. interacting the records are interacting with um the synthesizer junk I have going on as well. Cool. Yeah, and specifically we're using uh, what you call Eurorack synthesis modules, and I was fairly early to the game in, again, 2011. Uh, Tony Rolando was a friend of a friend, uh, and he's a guy who runs a company called Make Noise, which is making, uh, in my opinion, some of the most interesting stuff out there that's available right now. Great. Well, let's take a listen then. This is an excerpt from the B-side of Lama Lama's brand new album.
an organization of Okay, so you guys just heard that track. Um, we just like, uh, Paul and Quinn, if you guys can talk for a minute about kind of your process, how that track came together, uh, and some of the sounds or the parts of your unit that went into making them. Yeah, I'm definitely curious to, to, under, to hear more about your compositional process and how that differs from what we did today, or if it does. Well, um, I guess the first thing to realize is that we'll never play anything that's on this record again. Um, everything's kind of um, improvised or composed in real time, um, which we're going to do. We do live and we do in the studio. Uh, the difference is in the studio, we can look back at it and sort of um, do a lot of editing. Um, where, you know, say you're having a conversation and it, parts of it don't go that well, you can decide to revise history in the studio <laughs> by saying, oh, this thing that, well, we'll just take the good parts here. Right. Um, okay. But we are operating in the set of a, inside of a uh, set of rules. Yeah. So we, we made some fairly uh, arbitrary and also asinine decisions about how this group <laughs> was going to function. And one of the things we decided is that uh, all of our tunes were going to be uh, durations in prime numbers. So, We'll play for one minute, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, seven minutes, but definitely not six minutes. God, no. <laughs> this is, Paul said this is arbitrary. It's really not arbitrary at all. <laughs> That's true. It's, uh, it's very purposeful, and it's, you know, we have a, um, this is something we really believe in. I mean, only Philistines play for six minutes. Let's <laughs> Um, well, this was my first time listening to um, that part of that track, and it's it's interesting to hear about the compositional process because you've got so many sounds in each one of those boards. The only parallel that I can like compare it to in the you know classical music, traditional instrument, acoustic instrument is the word I'm looking for. World is like you've got an orchestra at your fingertips, and you can turn on and do whatever you want with any player, um, and that seems overwhelming to me. So I think. You know, parameters are important within improvisation. And uh, were there any others that you, you know, set you guys set yourselves? Were you working off of scores at all, um, or just kind of feelings and things like that? So the only other rule is that we have a little box here with us in the studio, the llama box. And if uh, if one of us decides that um, to strike the box, as it were. Then we we flip from kind of like a, a low volume level into a high kind of crazy loud chaotic uh, volume and and space and uh, then it's up to the other person to click the box off and that's uh, besides the prime number rule that's basically the only other 
rule that we have. So I think there is something about the complexity of the instruments that we're dealing with and the need for rather simple rules to operate with. Cool. And I imagine some of our listeners aren't familiar with the sounds that a synthesizer produces. Can you give us a little demo of the basic sounds that you have at your disposal? Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the real synthy part of these instruments is just uh, allows us to generate what we call in the business the basic waveforms, the sine tone being the simplest <laughs> among them. And uh, mine, sound, mine sounds like this, Quinn. That's your sine tone. I got. I just got a new Ooh, a oscillator, which is the yeah. element of the synthesizer that generates said basic waveforms. We call it an oscillator in the business too. So that's that's my sine tone. Yeah, and then you know, kind of the the next step is to if you start with a perhaps a more harmonically rich waveform like the saw wave. Sure. Uh, you can apply some filtering to that, yeah, and that's kind of a really iconic sound in electronic music, yeah. So a lot of overtones here and then... Whoa. Filter sweep. <laughs> yeah. Filter sweep is like... It's juicy. That's right. This is, I mean, this is this particular thing. The the filter sweep, I think, is a particularly analog thing. Um, you can fake it in digital, but it's never, it's never gonna be that smooth. Right. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> it's so smooth. <laughs> Continuous voltage. Right. And after that, Quinn's going to let us. <laughs> uh, after that, you can, uh, something that I do a lot is uh, then you have a, the idea of a step sequencer, so a way to kind of control the pitch of the oscillator in different stages. And this uh, gives you rhythmic pitch patterns, yeah? Sure. So things like this. And you've got control over the speed of this too. Well, why don't you um since you've got the sequencer running, why don't you mm -hmm. also demonstrate at a slower speed how you can like add in and drop out, you know, I mean that sequencer is giving you the full control of, you know, what pitches you want. You can I can do my uh I should do my shredder move here too, so if I land my <laughs> sequencer. <laughs> yep. Very Eat cool. your heart putting out, putting guitars out of business <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> You've got <laughs> yeah, you're like one you finger. One knob. <laughs> one turn turn a knob. No you don't practicing. Have to, you don't have to <laughs> you don't have to shed it for 
um, however many hours to be able to 10,000 hours play three notes really really quickly <laughs> which is meaningful <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't know what else anything I don't know anything else worth uh hmm. sharing you think I mean that's yeah. that's a good overview of the pretty much the basic let me do one more for you here so I've got a a module that'll actually um, record a sample and then gives me control over over that sample and kind of the playback speed works a little bit like an old-fashioned tape machine That's a fun one. Agreed. Well, next we're going to play two recordings back-to-back. These are improvisations that the four of us laid down earlier today. And keeping with the trend of prime numbers, we tried our best to limit these tracks to two minutes and one minute, respectively.
in that last track, we heard some sampled music. Uh, it sounded almost like a radio seeping in from the background. Can you explain what part of your rig made that sound and how it works? So what they do, it's, it's the uh, Music Thing Modular uh, radio music that's uh, designed by a guy named Tom Whitwell. Um, and you can order these as kits, and you build them from a kit. It basically has like a little uh, digital microcontroller in it called a Teensy board that... Um, it has that, and then it also has a... Is it micro or mini? <laughs> what is the size of this SD card? I forget. Micro. It's micro, yeah. <laughs> a micro SD card uh, that you load okay. samples in. They have to be mono. They have to be in a particular sound format. Um, but you can you can load anything into it, and it basically kind of acts like a fake radio. Um, that Yeah, so I love the sound of that. That's so cool. Do you ever um, have to consider, like the legality of things like that or is it just you're obscuring it so much that you can sample things i don't really know uh, do you worry about that save that question for my lawyer <laughs> <laughs> in other words you plead the fifth <laughs> yeah i've uh largely what i still have on mine is kind of a, a suite of samples that they offer through the site that kind of comes uh got royalty it. free They're... and i can i could dial mine up here real quick and it it does. It just kind of gives the effect of scrubbing through a very, very exotic radio dial. Yeah. Yeah. So everything from this and. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, mine, mine has stuff I, I loaded into it. Um, there's some kind of interesting speakers on it. Um, there's also, a, I found this uh, royalty-free library of these kind of silly cinematic cues that I've got loaded in. and um, Some songs, some uh, sound effects and things. But I, I'll find something. I'll even just kind of rip something from YouTube and throw it in there. Nice. Um, but it's also, it's kind of, I mean, you heard what Paul was doing. He was just kind of like, where you're, you were turning the station knob gradually. Mm -hmm. So it, I mean, it's actually, it's it's one thing that's really interesting about it is it's it's hard to tap into specific sounds. <laughs> like you have yeah, a that button that lets you move through different folders. And then once you're in that folder, this knob kind of switches through files. But it's, you know. To if you're looking for one thing If you're looking for one thing in particular, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's pretty tricky to do. So you just sort of hap it upon... Um, yeah, cool I mean, that's an interesting type of indeterminacy that, you know, you can play with. So since your instruments are made up of all these smaller units, did you get them all at once, or has the setup grown over time? So when you, when you get one of these, you get a case, and there's only so much you can fit in the case. Um, Paul's case is full right now. I think you're, this is, this is like a semi-permanent setup, I think. Yeah, it's true. I'm into the idea of um, uh, the limits of this box and that I um, could imagine swapping something out, but I really don't like the idea of growing into a bigger case. So this is not necessarily an addictive habit-forming hobby for me as <laughs> it is for for many enthusiasts out there. I like uh, I like the limits of just having this one case and saying... Yeah, if I'm going to make any changes, it's got to be with inside of this uh, literally physical. You've got to take something out if you want to put something new in. Yeah, and that's and that's definitely not everybody's approach or philosophy, but it's uh, 
one that I've evolved into. Yeah, Quinn's is I'm, I'm a little more different. The, yeah, I'm more <laughs> on the addictive, uh, sprawling <laughs> setup. So my my case, so the thing that I'm looking at now, I actually just swapped out a couple things, put in a couple new things here, and took took one out that um, actually was a kind of important part of what I was doing, but I realized the one that I replaced it with could do most of the things that I liked that the other one could do and is smaller and I can actually do more than it. Um, so what I'm looking at right now is actually the instrument I'm using is a little bit different than the one we made that recording with. And hmm. I, I, I can imagine also, you know, I was originally thinking I would get another case that's essentially like twice its size and so forth. But I, I'm actually, the more I've been thinking about it, I think the, the, the shooty in approach, um, of having an instrument um, that's fixed, although I think uh, he's he's pretty he's been doing this longer than I am too. So I think he's you're pretty set, right? I'm set. Not that I'm any better at it than you are, but well, okay. Uh, well, I <laughs> well, look, I never said that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but uh, but you know, I think I'll I'll I will continue you said to it kind of mix eyes. and match. What's that? You said it with your eyes. All of you imagine what those eyes must look. I like, like. the shooting and approach, though. Can we coin that yeah. right now? That's um, a great yeah, trademark. Yeah, yeah. Shooting um, or shooting? I don't know. Shooting. Oh, that makes it sound classier. That's, uh, that's right. Llama llama. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah the uh you know i i can imagine this being a fixed thing i'll swap things out um it, it'll take a long time to become a fixed thing and i i Did do you have, have a the, decent amount more space in there it looks like um or not really sort of i have i already have a there's you're probably referring to this section yeah. here i i already have something that's going to go there okay that's a placeholder and there's some other stuff that's going to come out and be replaced but mm -hmm. it's man it's a long learning process to figure out what's going on with this thing like there's i don't know how computer music geeky a lot of our our listeners out there in in the world are but we're talking about a program so say like the program max msp the the thinking behind that is based on this stuff this, gotcha. these physical things which um you know max is you basically have boxes and you connect the boxes and yeah. it does stuff yep. it's an object oriented programming language with a with a rather user-friendly gui little graphical user interface and you connect things with patch cords it borrows a lot of the terminology of what we're doing here yeah physically but yeah. in a software sense we use that were you in my computer music class dave Oh yeah, yeah, Mac, and and actually, when I was at Cincinnati, there was one moment where Paul was—I got a refresher in Max MSP from Paul directly. Nice. Now, so it's basically like you know, imagine Max, but you have to spend, say, like, you know, seven or eight hundred bucks at least to buy a window. <laughs> and then you have to spend like you know not not never rarely if ever for the for the, the 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 little boxes you know the little objects that do less stuff you might spend a hundred bucks or a little bit less but the better ones you know it's more mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's yeah it it's it's a weird addiction thing I can imagine having a kind of fixed portable setup and then feeding the addiction mm -hmm. you know for life with a thing that at home but it, i think it is cool to have say these are the limits yeah have um, a rig the size of a room and yeah i have a rig <laughs> the size of the room that i can i can go home to but have a rig the size of a suitcase i can take on the road mm. sounds like the life yeah right <clears throat> i've been trying to get one <laughs> the, the physical units though like that you guys have these rigs like obviously that's a lot of money to spend but like you're getting a very notable difference in sound from 
if you were just running everything out of Max, correct? Like yeah, and there's things that you can do here in the analog realm that are really literally impossible in a in a digital environment. So types of randomness that we can generate, just the organic way in which you kind of construct a, a patch and the number of signals that are uh, being shared and passed around. There's really no equivalent of that in in MIDI for sure. Yeah. yeah. Although a lot of the stuff we're using has some digital elements to it as mm -hmm. well. I think even the fact that you're not limited to mouse clicks, you've got two hands that you can be turning things probably faster than you'd be able to yeah, change that, parameters in Max. There's even, you know, you get a, you map a controller to something in Max or some mm, other okay. computer program, and it, it can be made to respond in a really organic way, but I've never, you know, on a, on a MIDI controller, like when I turn a knob and it affects something, it, there's some kind of um, separation or disassociation going on hmm. with me it's not when you're turning a knob on an analog system it's happening right away yeah um, and it, they just they feel really different they suggest different things they have cool lights that flash there's like you know creative tools or design elements that are not literally and like kind of pragmatically yeah it's the difference between a grand piano and a keyboard keyboard on your iphone that you can dink around with I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah that's fair. <laughs> or an orchestra and a MIDI orchestra, but yeah, yeah I don't know. Sure, right. I'm just trying to put it into terms that <laughs> I understand. I guess. Well, let's dive right into another track. Next up, we have a structured improv that Dave wrote the score for ahead of time. We've got a picture of the score up on our Facebook page too, so go check that out if you want to see what we were working from in this piece.
Yeah, so specifically, I would be interested to know um, how our rendition of it was in relation to your expectation of... Sure. You know, so, um, yeah, so we... What it was going to be. Uh, we're chatting. The This com- uh, composition decided to go with the name Johnny B. Bad, um, just in the ode to the late, great Chuck Berry. Um, so th- this chart, uh, in general, uh, I was trying to balance out uh, how to get some degree of control with the improv... Uh, just to make sure that it kind of followed the same storyline no matter how many times we improvised and ran it down. Uh, But uh, the big balancing act was with the synths. I wanted to make sure that I gave them enough room so that Paul and Quinn could each still do something and have a creative place to dance in um, without feeling like you're just sitting there turning a knob at this prescribed time, you know, like just set it and forget it. Um, That's actually what I was doing. <laughs> Damn it. Damn it. So I do want to interject something quickly. Yes, go There's for it. The score, there are parts assigned to synth one and synth two. Um, the performance you'll hear, I am performing the synth one part while yes. Paul is performing <laughs> the synth two part. I think that's important to know. Yeah, yes. you could have written first chair and second chair. You would. Well, you know, yeah. there's there's Ron Wood and then you know there's Keith Richards and you know. <laughs> How would you feel about posting uh, a picture of this? Yeah, yeah, that's you know, fine. Yeah. Nick Taylor and all these, you know, people. did I say Ron Wood? Is he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, there's Ron Wood and Keith Richards. Is there not? I have no idea who Ron Wood is. What's the? Hang on. I don't want that to go out there. And, <laughs> Usually when I hear a name I haven't heard, I, I just... Uh, yeah, yeah, my brain just went to Roy, Synth one my brain went to Roy Wood Jr., the comedian. That's where I went. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, I can, I can say there's there's definitely Brian Jones and Keith Richards, for example. You know, Brian, Brian Jones was, was Synth 1, <laughs> Keith Richards was Synth 2. Now, uh, it's worth, worth mentioning that only one of them survived. <laughs> Uh, only only one had the capacity to stand up to that many chemicals over the years. <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah, yeah. So for this piece, um, I mean, we were aiming for a shorter form, and yeah, it's that that challenge. This is the first time that I've written explicitly, you know, uh, uh, more or less structured improv to have uh, with the synthesizers. You know, so it's this thing. There are so many things that they can do, um, but you don't want to overprescribe but you also want to have it fairly consistent in that each time it'll follow the same storyline. So um, I was treating it a lot more like um, almost a musical form of what you'd expect would happen. You know, so like sonata form. Every time you hear a sonata, it might be a bit different every time, but it's telling the same story. It's following the same arc. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was mainly it. Uh, the, the drums were the line that was kind of running through it. I knew if we were going to not be watching a clock, We'd have to have some obvious cues or gestures. So that's the big drum hits that come in. Um, things like when I hit loud accents, Sean, you were responding to that, playing off of it. Uh, and then, yeah, anytime I'd have this obvious cue in the low toms just hitting really big, that that would kind of cue that something else was going to happen. So um, certainly not a new idea, but something that's been around forever for me, the go-to is always Ligeti because a lot of his orchestral pieces would hear here just use a rim shot to just say and now we're on to something new um yeah yeah that was the the basic idea behind it i think it it executed pretty well um i the the numbers for the timing yeah were overly ambitious for the the time frame of how quick that could happen um uh, but i think once again the thing in my mind that i was aiming for was the storyline i so it could be told over five minutes or you could really expand this a bunch of different ways. Yeah, There's, absolutely. It's kind of a template. I'm curious about how how long it was in practice. 
Oh, in practice, it came in. We say about four minutes, close to four. Right oh, so it's so it's uh, about a minute longer than what you'd anticipate. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, in that realm. Uh, it's yeah. Proportionally, yeah. it was pretty similar, though. I think because you have like two thirds of it at the top of the page, one third at the bottom of the page. Yep. It yeah, felt exactly. Like it progressed that way. Yeah, and that's I feel like the they balance out well in that way. Yeah, two thirds the top, one third at the bottom. Um, just because you get all that more uh, active activity happening, things are happening at a more rapid rate towards the end, gives a more exciting feel, like we're leading to something for a conclusion. Yeah, that makes sense. So, Paul and Quinn, you've got a new album out. That's exciting. Uh, do you have any live performances coming up that you'd like to talk about? We got a big gig. Nice. In Ohio. It's in uh, Bowling Green, Ohio. This is, I want to make it clear to all the listeners out there, this was not uh, the site of the Bowling Green Massacre that actually happened in Bowling Green, Kentucky. <laughs> but but we're, there's going to be another massacre of sorts. A massacre <laughs> of sound? Is that what the concert is called? Yeah, exactly. It's a massacre of sound. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe a massacre of silence. The, More the, like that. I don't know. After we're done with it. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Llama Llama came through. Uh, but yeah, we're playing at the uh, the New Music Gathering after party and Quinn, you know more about the the lineage of this event itself, but yeah, it's a, we're excited I, to be there. I know it's the third one. Um, some friends of mine are part of the kind of the the group of folks that run it. Um, Lainey Pfefferman and, and Yasha Narvison. Um, what are we calling the Narva? They're they are a married couple and they're wonderful people. The Narva Pfeffers? Pfeffersons? I think they're Narva Pfeffers. But anyway, uh, really lovely people that run very cool new music events that are, um, I'd say, user-friendly in a very, very constructive uh, and positive way. So, like, Lainey started, was part of starting, I I think it's her thing originally. I can't, I don't know exactly. But the the new music bake sale, I feel like it's an extension of that. But it's a a roving um, event which first occurred in San Francisco in Baltimore, and now it's in Bowling Green, Ohio. Uh, one of my f- things that I, I enjoy a lot about this event that is that it's a huge new music happening that is happening not in New York City. Hmm. Yeah, hmm. it's a uh, bit of an unconference feel too. I haven't been, but you you have, and that it's well, no, I haven't a... been. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I well, I've been to the the New Music Bake Sale, which is a New York event, but hmm. the I don't I don't know. I feel like the it's good when I, things spread. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or, you know, when it's realized that they're already out there. Right. Um, and that a certain city is not the center of the universe. But, um, yeah, I, we're, I'm excited. Are you excited about it? I am. Yeah, Indeed. we're both actually excited about it. It's How can confirmed. people get there if they're listening? Uh, is there a website to go to or anything like that? Um, what do you you take? Uh, the Google. I-76. Go to the Google. And then you go <laughs> <laughs> so I-76, yeah. what, to Columbus? It's and then a you stone's go up throw to, from Toledo. Then yeah. It's a stone's throw from Toledo. So if you're in town already, uh, you're in a, going to a Mud Hens game. <laughs> That's right. Just stop by a new music <laughs> gathering after the Mud Hens game. Check out our after party show. That's right. Um, buy a tape. Cool. Yeah. So um, <laughs> just on, on that topic there, you mentioned the tapes. Um, I know it stood out to me. You guys, this new album that you're putting out, uh, you're releasing a version on tape cassette, right? It's being... Or cassette tape. Or cassette you tape, prefer. yes. Yeah. Uh, but it's being done up in Canada right now, you said? Was that... They're making d- it in Canada. That's right. Yeah. Very they're, cool. They're, so They're making tapes for us. We sent them a, a, a digital master that was put together uh, 
Paul knows a lot more about this joint, but the ESS. Had, uh, yeah, beautiful studio in Chicago. Uh, ESS, the experimental sound studio, uh, did a great job with the master for us there. Sweet. Did you record it there? We did not. No, we uh, uh, actually recorded this in the studio at uh, Princeton. Yeah, we. Oh. I. Uh, they. I still. My my key still worked, so we got it. Uh, <laughs> nice. Laid we down some in. tracks. He um, told me it would be okay. <laughs> yeah, nobody would come after us. <laughs> <laughs> no, so we. Yeah, we took over that studio for like an afternoon. You know how. How much stuff did would you say that we? You know, the tape itself is down to forty-eight minutes. It's twenty-four per side. Um, but how much material do you think we generated that afternoon? At least three times that. Um, yeah, at least three times that. Um, which, uh, for those of you who are good at math, is forty-eight times three, <laughs> uh, or more. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, we, we were. Yeah, we went in for the afternoon. You know, recorded. Probably did a lunch break. Recorded some more and. Uh, left with the tracks and then played a little gig at uh, at um, the Barn Burner series uh, at a little barn out and I believe it's technically a Belmead address outside of Princeton but some friends of mine my friend Annika Sokolovsky um, whose last name I may have just mispronounced horribly but uh, runs a very cool series in this beautiful um, converted barn that she lives in out there um, and we was us and we opened for a jug band yeah we opened for a nice. jug band nice. uh, who was some of my old friend Cody Jensen Perfect. from yeah. from Urbana it was a, a two sides of music from Urbana um, the the sort of uh, freak out uh, University of Illinois sort of um, stuff um, gestural shtick gestural <laughs> shtick <laughs> Uh, and the you know the folk music shtick. Interesting. Uh, it was a good match. Yeah, it sounds cool. Well, let's present one more improvisation from the four of us today. We unfortunately broke the prime number rule on this one, uh, clocking in at eight minutes. But I think we got some really cool, unique sounds. This was also the first one that we did today, so this is the first time the four of us have ever played together. And we really set no parameters or rules. Just we're gonna improvise together.
What other types of um, music are you guys into? Obviously, electronic music is, you know, a huge genre, and which encompasses lots of subgenres. Um, do you listen to, you know, more pop-oriented electronic music? Do you listen to other things? Or are you really kind of immersed in this world as far as your listening goes as well? Oh, it's... Um, oh, is it tricky question That's isn't it question. yeah i mean I've, i think we're both pretty eclectic in our yeah tastes. yeah um well that's a good answer in itself i mean that yeah. you're yeah, not yeah, like no, well quinn you listen to a lot of uh prog don't you or maybe that's yeah, or depends used on to. what you consider prog i have <laughs> stuff i'm really allergic to and stuff that i really like um uh i i don't i don't get super excited about the whole like dungeons and dragons thing with it but the, sure some some of it's Real awesome. He does own a magma T-shirt. I, I do say. own a magma oh. T-shirt, which you know you call that prog. What is it? It's, it's a Zool, whatever. So I, I, I mean, I, I'm also a little. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm always hesitant to answer questions like this because I'm incredibly suspicious of uh, genre names. <laughs> um, prog. I mean, prog's a big enough umbrella that it, 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 people know what that means and it encompasses it. But if it gets too much more specific than that, I feel like it's. Uh, you're trying to fool somebody with a marketing <laughs> tactic. You know? I sort of uh, my 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 uh, uh, I don't know, some alarm goes off about um, kind of well, you know, and also with subgenres like metal has this electronic music, like electronic dance music and stuff is especially that is the worst where it's like you have a subgenre name and that specifies exactly what it's supposed to be and everything within right. that subgenre essentially sounds the same. It's basically a song. It's They're just saying we're going to do the like, same song. It's, yeah. it had, they have like a BPM that's that's always the same. Right. Like yeah. Jungle is this and you know whatever. I don't... Heck goes here. Yeah, I could, I could give... Uh, I'm still, you know, s there's always been music, types of music that I discover later and decide I like but I actually don't... I'm not very fond of a lot of well, I, I'm fond of a lot of popular music that uses electronic elements, but stuff like, say, that people call electronic dance music or stuff, I got to really care less about. Um, I find it actually really boring. But um, Me too, for the most part. Do you? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> How boring do you find it? Well... <laughs> 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 but by that token, I mean, it's becoming more and more interesting to listen to how, as especially in EDM, as people continue to refine these genres and and come to these hyper-specific definitions of them that little really interesting things start to squeak out. You know, I'm thinking specifically of, it's like like IDM is a trend, right? Intelligent dance music and Outtecker and some of that stuff. I think yeah. we're both... Oh yeah, we're both, both into, into that. that <laughs> that's yeah. a that's a that's a different thing, I think. Yeah, um, but it comes I've not heard of IDM. Yeah. Um, yeah. What is it? Is there a band you would recommend? Uh, Outtecker comes to mind. Outtecker? Yeah. Uh, Mafex Twin is something to listen oh, to. Oh, okay. So they fall Square under. Square Pusher. Okay. Um, gotcha. 
I don't, I'm not actually very well versed in any of that stuff. I do like it a lot. Um, but, I, you know, most popular music is basically electronic music anyway. Um, it's, Absolutely. You know, yeah. artificially generated in a studio for the most part. And um, Yeah, we, uh, and that, that was a lesson for us. I mean, we had uh, worked a lot in the studio, and the first time we tried to do this live, I think we came to the realization of how difficult it is to uh, kind of pull off some of the... Uh, just the effect of what we're going for in a live context. Oh, is, yeah. Uh, there's a persona that kind of has to happen and accom- accompany it, and some of the, the effects. I mean, we're kind of continually building some new custom gear. We've talked about the boxes a little bit. We're on version 3.0. Yeah. The newest <laughs> one has blue LEDs, which is we're really cool. moving up in the world. That's not <laughs> a, did, Paul mentioned this. We were texting each other the other day. Blue is the most expensive color of LED. Ah. Oh, La-di-da. <laughs> I, I don't. Yeah, I don't know actually, but they're they cost more that. than like say a green one or a they red really one do. Or yeah, a white one. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I mean, <laughs> it's true. Don't know what that means, but um, no, it's yeah, it's it's hard to to we're still figuring out how to make it work live. It's still gonna be it's gonna be constantly sort of in flux this project, I think. But um, you know what what room is it in? What is the room like? Is it pretty huge? And we try different stuff. Some of it works. Some of it doesn't. Um, yeah, I mean, do you try to play to the room essentially, or kind of do your own thing? And I think we're still learning room... how, but there's an element of them playing to us. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, that's. What, uh, I feel like it well, there, has to... yeah, there's there was this uh, there was an audience member that was saying like she had like what a there was a kind of an adjustment. You spoke to her, I think, but she had an adjustment period where it was like. It took her some time to figure out what what it was we were doing, and then once she did, she was into it. But yeah, and when we do, when we were first doing the kind of the loud and soft thing, people just thought that there was a problem with the yeah, audio system. System. <laughs> <laughs> it was nothing intentional on our part that um, we were just kind of beholden to some sound guy's mistakes. But yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's interesting with these instruments because it's definitely uh, a, it's a lot to digest for the listener. Perhaps, yeah, and it's uh, it's also for us coming into these spaces, you know, playing to the room. It's more about playing to the sound system, yeah, hmm, kind of. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because um, so we're and we're like we we feel like we're we can play in a concert hall, we could play in a you know a dingy basement somewhere at, at a house show too. Um, yeah, we're we're not quite sure uh, what genre we're specifically operating aiding in so if anybody uh is it possible to, clue is it there, possible to call into the show or maybe have is there like a message board where people can respond <laughs> there's the a facebook page there's a facebook page <laughs> yeah, and yeah. people can interact with this page absolutely yeah. so they could type in they'll call it like you know i don't know what it, what it is um yeah and the i think the genre bending part of what we're doing there's definitely a tongue-in-cheek aspect yeah. to uh what we're going for too which is Apparent in the name itself, if you haven't seen it written down yet, check it out. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be in the episode title. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. It's, um... Sometimes I'm the llama, sometimes he's the llama. It's true. Sometimes sometimes uh, you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. I can't argue with that. <laughs> so where can we find your stuff? Uh, there is a website on the internet. Uh, we could put a link on probably we this will. podcast, can we not? Um, yes. But it is called beltsandwhistles.bandcamp.com. Belts and Whistles being the label. Be- Belts and Whistles is the label, yeah. It's uh, 
I don't know what my title is, but myself and uh, Leila Adu Gilmore are the, say, creative and executive directors of this particular record label. Um, and it's, but anyway, um, yeah, belts like a belt that keeps your pants up, not a bell like you ring when you want supper. Belts and whistles. <laughs> dot com, and you can come to one of our shows and buy it in the flesh. You could listen to it for free. You could download it and give us money for it. You could order a tape and download it and give us money for all those things. It's really up to you. Can I download it and put it on a tape myself? You could download it and re-record it and put it on a tape. You <laughs> oh totally yeah, could. Such I that's <laughs> but you know if you want to download it, talk about nostalgia. You got to pay for. Yeah. Oh, we're no, we're inspiring fine. people everywhere to visit their local Salvation <laughs> Army and buy, buy, buy a tape buy to a record tape over. Buy like an old Guns N' Roses tape, put like a little like, piece of masking tape over the little holes and then record. Like a high fidelity sound, the old mixtape. The... You mean you're rolling Perfect. a dice there because you got to have at least 24 minutes per side. Oh, um, this is true. You got to yeah. make sure it's 24 minutes per side if you're going to provide your own tape. But um, Good enough. But, uh, you know, you go to Salvation Army and get a tape, it's not going to be aqua blue with a red leader our original artwork Ooh, that sounds classy uh, i'm it, i'm it sold may or may not have idea. been made in canada this is made in canada <laughs> <laughs> what else is i have a my smoker i have a, a bradley smoker it's an electric smoker uh, that's made in canada it's very good mm, nice <laughs> so we're gonna just uh lead out then with a one minute hard-hitting track uh from the a side of your album thank you very much for coming you guys yeah thanks you're welcome Thank you so much for listening to Sean and Dave Make Music. If you like the show, please be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. If you have any comments or if you'd like to submit an idea or a prompt for us to improvise off of, go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Sean and Dave Make Music. We'll be back next month with a different guest and some new music. See you then.